Hey, welcome, everybody. So good to see you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us here in Waukesha online, wherever you're located, or maybe you're over in Pewaukee. Great to have you with us as we continue this series called Advent. I'm really excited about this uh, series, really excited about this message. Hey, I'm, I'm curious, how many of you, uh, show of hands, how many of you have started practicing Advent uh, this, past, this past week? All right, a few of you, great. I've talked to several people that have started practicing it, and it is transforming their Christmas. Some of you are like, what is, what are you talking about? What is uh, Advent? Maybe you weren't with us last weekend, or, or maybe you were here and you fell asleep uh, during the uh, message. It's, uh, it's possible. So let me try and catch all of us up. Last weekend, we gave a definition. We tried to really get at the heart of Advent because uh, there's misunderstandings about it in our world. And so to get us all on the same page, we said that Advent, the term comes from a Latin phrase that simply means coming. Someone's coming. Someone is arriving. And not just anybody, somebody really, really important. And that's what Advent means. And so the whole reason that we have Advent, the whole reason we have Advent calendars and the countdown December 1st through uh, 24th is because of who's coming. We're preparing for who's coming on the 25th. And who's coming on December 25th? Jesus, yeah, right. Advent helps us remember that Christmas was designed to center around the birthday of Jesus. Here's a simple definition of Advent. Advent is a daily focus in December to remember why we celebrate Christmas. Advent is simply you taking time every day to celebrate that it's all about Jesus and prepare for, the, for, for December 25th. Remember what we said? We said that Christmas or the birth of Jesus is too big to remember on just one day, especially in December when things kind of get crazy and chaotic and it's so easy to forget what, why, why we have Christmas in the first place. So last week we introduced this devotional, this Advent devotional where every day you focus and center your December on Jesus. It's, it's easy. It, anybody can do it. It takes less than two minutes a day. And what I really love about this Advent devotional is it takes things that we see every day in the month of December, the Christmas trees and lights, candy canes, ornaments and wreaths. And it takes every one of those and it gives you the history behind it and how it was designed to point you back to Jesus. Last weekend, we talked about the candy cane the candy cane. Did you know that the candy cane, originally it was just a straight sugar stick until the 17th century when a choir director in a church took it and bent it in the shape of a shepherd's crook to remind us to remember the shepherds who came and worshiped Jesus on that first Christmas. Then they added red, red stripe to it to remind us of the blood that Jesus shed for us. So think about that. Every time you see a candy cane this Christmas, it was designed to point you back to why we have Christmas in the first place. I'm telling you, if you're not doing this Advent devotional, you're missing out. There was one of the devotionals this week that really got me thinking. It was the one about the greetings that we say every December. Merry Christmas, happy holidays. Do you know the history behind those greetings? We probably say them hundreds of times every December, but do you know the meaning of those greetings? I'm not gonna tell you. You're gonna have to go to the devotional and read about it on day seven. I found it fascinating and uh, helpful. So if you haven't started the uh, devotional, go to our website and uh, click on the button. It's on the homepage. It's not too late to get started. I really hope that you'll practice Advent this year. Well, today, as we continue preparing for December, 25th, I want to talk about the tradition of 
gift giving. Uh, how many of you enjoy uh, gift, giving gifts and getting gifts at uh, Christmas time? Yeah, my hands up. Uh, Christmas gifts are uh, great, but I hope you don't get one of these uh, gifts. Uh, a couple of years ago, Jimmy Fallon on the uh, Tonight Show asked people on Twitter to use the hashtag worst gift ever to post about the worst Christmas gift that they ever received. And uh, somebody posted this picture here, hander pants, uh, underpants for your hands. And uh, I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah, or this next one here, somebody posted about the toilet mug. Yeah, you're gonna be careful about what you drink this, this Christmas and uh, you're probably not gonna be able to get that image out of, out of your uh, mind. But Christmas has almost become synonymous with giving gifts and getting gifts. Gift giving is, is a really big deal. It's estimated that last year in America, we spent over a trillion dollars on uh, Christmas. Let me share just a few fun statistics with you about uh, Christmas. Uh, how, many, how many hours does the average woman uh, shop for uh, gifts? Anybody wanna take a guess? Yeah, let's see what it is here, it's 20. Yeah, I thought that was a little bit uh, low, but maybe that's right. Right, uh, how about this, how about for guys, average gift hours, men shop for gifts, 0.001 hours. That's a joke, it's actually higher than that, it's actually 10 hours, and uh, hopefully those are 10 productive hours. I know I need some help, maybe some of us need some help. This one was a little bit surprising to me, the average number of gifts that, that people expect to get, 14.7. And then one more is the average amount spent on gifts. What's the average amount that people spend, each person spends on Christmas gifts? This is an estimate for this year, 2000, or, or, yeah, 2020, $998, which is interesting to me because uh, back in 2009, right after the recession, that number was $417. And so it's more than doubled in the last 11 years. Years. Now, before I go further, I want to just be clear about something. Uh, I think gift giving, I think Christmas gifts are awesome, giving gifts to each other. And I don't want anybody, you know, walking out of here today or watching online afterward, you know, you say, well, Pastor Ben doesn't want us to give gifts at Christmas or Pastor Ben wants us to cancel Santa this year. No, no, no. That's not what this is about at, at all. Gift giving is awesome. It reflects the gift of Jesus and, ex and it expresses love and joy to others. But it's possible if we're not careful for our, our gifts to dominate Christmas and to take the focus off of uh, Jesus. Uh, many years ago, Marnie and I got invited to a birthday party for a one-year-old. Uh, anybody, anybody ever been to a birthday party for a one-year-old kid? Yeah, it is a, it's a unique event. It really is. Kind of, I think it's kind of funny. I'd never been to one before. And I, I remember this event. They, they held it at a park, uh, park shelter, and packed. It was packed with adults, not kids. We played volleyball and uh, Frisbee. They had uh, Coke and beer and wine in the cooler and uh, music, not kid music, adult music. And they barely had a cake for the uh, birthday boy. And what you discover about a one-year-old's birthday party is it's really more of a celebration for the adults than the kid. The mom and dad are like, we celebrate because we survived one year of this kid and we are gonna party. It's the child's birthday, but everybody celebrates themselves. 
in their own way. And you can, probably, you can probably tell where I'm going with this. Christmas is Jesus' birthday. But if we're not careful, we can make it more of a celebration of ourselves than a celebration of him. But what, 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 what if we made this Christmas more about him and less about us? That's what I love about Advent. Advent, if you practice it, it helps you remember whose birthday it really is. And it brings you more joy and even more peace. Now, it's easy to trace the history of this tradition of gift giving because it goes all the way back to the very first Christmas. And many of you know that it began with the wise men in the Christmas story. But today, I wanna to take a fresh look at that story because the wise men are a great example for us about making Christmas about Jesus. If you have a Bible with you, I want to invite you to open up to Matthew chapter 2. This part of the Christmas story is only found in Matthew's gospel. Here's how it begins in chapter 2. It starts this way. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Magi, we normally translate that wise men because they were the wisest men in the world at that time. But there's two misconceptions about the wise men that I want to address today. The first one is that we assume that there were three of them, but really we, we don't know how many there, 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 there were. Maybe you're thinking, you know, why do we assume there were three of them? Well, it's because they brought three gifts and so we automatically assume there were three of them, but there could have been five, 10, 20, 30. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but the biggest misconception about the wise men is that they were there the night that Jesus was born. Maybe, maybe you've always thought they were there when Jesus was, was born. I grew up assuming, you know, they were there when Jesus was, was, was born, but they, 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 they weren't there. You know, you know why we assume they were there? Do you know why we all, I think we all, many of us make that assumption? It's because of nativity sets. Yeah, nativity sets almost always have all the characters from the Christmas story. You got, you know, Joseph and Mary, you got the shepherds, and you've got the, the, the wise men over there uh, bringing, their, uh, bringing their gifts to, to Jesus. So we assume that they were there when Jesus was born. But I'm going to show you that they, clearly they were not there, which I think adds meaning to the story. The, the, the very first clue comes in the first verse. Uh, look, look at what it says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jesus. Notice it says after the birth of Jesus, uh, or, uh, the, the wise men came uh, to him. Do you remember where Jesus was, was born? What was the location? It's Bethlehem. And, but where did the wise men go? It says they went to Jerusalem. They came from the east and they went to Jerusalem. Now, why did they go to Jerusalem? because that was the hub city in that part of the world. So they came to Jerusalem, and if you, if you read the chapter, they're just asking around. They say, you know, we know a, a baby's been born. We heard the prophecy, a baby's been born. He's gonna be the king. Where is he? And so they're asking around. King Herod catches wind that these wise men are asking around about a baby who's gonna become king, and as he catches wind about it, he calls them in, and look at what Herod uh, does. In verse eight, it says, he, Herod, sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go to worship him. But that was a lie. Herod didn't want to worship Jesus. He wanted to kill Jesus. Herod was one of the most evil men in the world 
at that, at that time. He, he, he would kill anybody that was a threat to his kingship. Outside the Bible, in history books, we read about Herod killing some of his own sons because he was afraid, he felt threatened that they would end his reign and take over. Now, I don't know if the wise men knew this or not, probably not, and so the wise men go to Bethlehem to find the baby that's already been born. Remember, this is, they, they came after his birth, and when they arrive in Bethlehem, notice these two big clues in this verse. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother. Notice this word, house, house. Remember, Jesus was born in a manger. In, probably in a, in a barn. He's no longer in a, in a barn. Now they're in a house. They've moved, to the, they've moved to the house. But the biggest clue, I think, is when it says child. This is actually, in the original language, this is a different word than is used earlier in the Christmas story. When Jesus was born, it says they laid the baby in a, a manger. But now it uses a different word, child, because Jesus is an older child now when the wise men arrive. If, you wonder, if you're wondering, well, how old was he? Probably between the age of one and two. How do we know that? Well, it says Herod immediately killed all the boys in Bethlehem under the age of two. Probably because when the wise men reported back to Herod, they likely reported that they found a baby between the ages, between the age of one and two. But just know the wise men were not actually there the night of Jesus' birth. And so you need to go home and just burn all those wise men from your nativity sets. Okay, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, don't do that, don't do that. I think it's great that they're there. I think it's a great reminder uh, that, that they're, when we see them in nativity sets that they're part of the story. But it adds meaning, I think, when you understand that Jesus is a child, not a baby, he's a child at this point. Look at what the wise men do when they, find Jesus. It says they bowed down and they worshiped him, which seems a little odd to me because have you ever been around a one or a two-year-old boy that you wanted to worship? How many of you have ever been around a two-year-old before? Yeah, uh, you know, we have a word to describe two-year-olds. We, we say, we call them the terrible twos, right? Terrible twos. I remember when our kids were that age and we took a trip, a vacation, to the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee with our uh, kids. We called it a, a vacation, but it was childcare in Tennessee is, is what it turned out. It was changing diapers. And I remember, you know, the back of our minivan, you know, sippy cups, you know, uh, cookies, stuff all over the back of the van. And then one of our kids got car sick when we went through the mountains and threw up you know, in the back seat. I remember cleaning up the vomit and uh, thinking to myself, why did we bring you, you know, on this trip? Why did we have you in the first place? The terrible twos. But these wise men bow down and they worship two-year-old Jesus. That's, a, that's like a miracle, isn't it? It's because they knew this wasn't just a child. This wasn't just another baby this, this is the savior of, of the world. And when you worship someone, you bring them something of worth. So what did they bring? It says that th then they opened their treasures. Look at this. They presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They gave the most extravagant, the most expensive gifts that you could give back then. And this is where we get the tradition 
the practice of gift giving at Christmas time. But I want you to think about how they planned. Notice how they planned these gifts. I mean, they didn't show up in Bethlehem and say, hey, you know, we can't go, you know, empty handed. Let's go to the Bethlehem Walmart and, you know, let's pick up something to give this uh, child. No, they planned ahead of time. And they didn't send the gift uh, Camel Express. I mean, they took a long journey, maybe, maybe a year or too long. And when they arrived, they fall down and they worship Jesus and they gave him costly gifts because they knew that he was the king. He was the Messiah. Again, I, I think it's awesome to give gifts to each other. I'm, I'm, please hear me. I'm not saying, you know, cancel Santa or don't give toys or gift cards to your teenagers. No, gift giving is great. Gift giving is awesome. But don't miss this part of the story. Who received all of the gifts that first Christmas? Jesus. The wise men provide a great example of centering Christmas around Jesus because it's his birthday it's not our birthday, and he is the king. You ever been to a, a birthday party, and, and there's a child, uh, maybe it's your child, maybe it's another child, pouting in the corner because <laughs> they don't get to open any, any of the gifts because it's not their birthday. I mean, sometimes little kids don't understand, and they're like, you know, why can't I open a gift? You know what some parents do at birthday parties? They give party gifts at birthday parties, and then that way, every kid gets a gift or a goodie bag at the party. The birthday boy or the, or the birthday girl get the main gifts, but everybody gets a party gift to celebrate. And I was thinking about that. You know, at first I thought, oh, that seems kind of odd that everybody gets a gift at a birthday party. But the more I thought about it, I thought, you know what? That's an accurate, even a beautiful picture of what Christmas should be like. We give gifts to each other as, as part of the celebration of Jesus' birthday. Everybody gets a gift. But those are like the party gifts. The main focus, the main gift is for Jesus because it's his birthday that we celebrate. And so here's the challenging part of the message today. Just like you ask someone, hey, what do you want for your birthday? If we believe that Christmas is Jesus' birthday, here's a great question to ask this Christmas. Jesus, what do you want? For Christmas. I think that question could revolutionize your Christmas by making it centered around the reason why we have Christmas in the first place. And so I want to suggest three gifts today. And these are just three suggestions. But I think these suggestions would show up on Jesus' Christmas wish list. Here's number one. Give generously to something beyond you. Not just something for you and uh, not just something for your kids and your family and your friends. Give beyond you. I, I think it's almost impossible to read through the Gospels, all the words of Jesus, and not come to the conclusion that Jesus loves it when we give generously beyond our, ourselves, especially this year when so many people need help and hope and encouragement. And so I want to give you just a few ideas on how you can give beyond you this Christmas. Maybe you know someone who's struggling this Christmas, maybe somebody who lost their job or somebody who can't leave the house. And so you buy groceries and have them delivered to them. Maybe you call someone who might be lonely and ask how they're doing 
and give a listening ear, there's a good chance by listening that you will discover meaningful ways that you could give to them. Maybe you write a thank you note to a local grocery store or to a first responder. And this is a great time of the year to support children and families in our local community. You can pick up an ornament uh, off of our uh, gifting tree in the lobby and, and buy a gift for a child uh, who is, is from Whittier or Hawthorne Elementary Schools in Waukesha. You bring it next weekend and drop it off in the lobby and we'll make sure that it gets delivered to them. This is also a great time to support the mission of Jesus through our church. 2020 has been a, a tough year for all of us and for our church. But I believe that 2021 is gonna be a breakout year. I mean, so many things have been on hold this year, but next year, I mean, we have a great opportunity to be bold for Jesus. We sent out an email explaining how we'll use the year-end offering to catch up, uh, catch up financially and also to accomplish some projects that will help us to ramp up and gear up for 2021 and make a, a greater impact for Jesus. If you didn't get that email, let us know on the welcome card and we'll send that uh, to you. Here's what Marnie and I do every year, above and beyond our normal giving. Uh, we sit down every year at Christmas time and we look back at what God has done for us the past year and we ask one question. God, we wanna give a year-end Christmas gift. What amount would you like for us to give? And we pray and we plan and we give our largest Christmas gift to Jesus. And, it, and we do this together and it helps, it helps center us in our marriage on what Christmas is all about. And we love giving a, a sacrificial gift that stretches our, our faith a little bit uh, because God has been so good and has always provided for our needs. My point is, if you ask Jesus, what do you want for Christmas? I think giving generously beyond you will show up somewhere on his list. All right, here's the second gift that, that I think will be on his Christmas wish list. Give an invitation to someone to join you at River Glen this Christmas to hear about him. I was thinking about it. If you give a physical gift to someone, that's good. But it lasts momentarily. If you give someone an invitation to Christmas to hear about him, that might last for eternity. Really, the only thing on this earth that, we can, that you can take with you to heaven is people. People that you invest in and invite to hear about Jesus. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus explained his mission to us. He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost, nothing Nothing is more important to Jesus than reaching people who are far from him. And Christmas is probably the best time of the year, the easiest time of the year to invite people to church. And we've got some great tools to share with you uh, this year. We've got the Christmas, the outdoor uh, Christmas light show. How many of you have been to the uh, Christmas light show in our parking lot? Isn't it great? Yeah, Marnie and I, we've, we've come two times. Our team has done a, a fantastic job on this. And uh, so you know, come to it and invite people to it. I think they'll really enjoy it. It helps you prepare for uh, Christmas. It, it did get a little bit of uh, 
uh, damaged from the snow and wind. And so it's, it's down right now, but I'm told it'll be back up Monday and the rest of the week. So invite people. And invite people to our Christmas Eve services. If you've never attended one of our Christmas services, our team puts together a very impactful service. And we've got more services this year than ever. We, we actually have 16 of them. 16. Uh, six here in Waukesha, four in Pewaukee, and six of them broadcast on, online. And uh, we're asking people to RSVP this year so that we can uh, help everyone to get a seat and have a safe experience. We have limited seating. And so go to our website and RSVP. Do that soon. They're filling up. It's first come, first served. And for those who cannot attend in person this year, you can invite them to watch Join us online by uh, sending an email link or through social media. Here's something special that we're doing this year. I'm, I'm really excited about this. Uh, we're giving you a free CD on your way out today. Our music team recorded some Christmas music live in this room. And we've got enough to give every family two copies of the CD on your way out. Here's what we hope you do. We hope you'll give one away. There's an invitation piece in here. You can give it to someone and invite them to come on Christmas and hear the music live in person or online. And then next week, you can also go to any digital platform and search River Glen Music and uh, you'll, find it, you'll find it there as well. It's a great tool for inviting people. So I want to challenge you. Invite someone to, to join you this Christmas. Bring Jesus a gift. And the greatest gift you could bring Jesus might be an invitation to someone to come and find out who he really is. Now, I want to talk to one other group of people here with us today. You have what is number one on Jesus' Christmas wish list, and only you have it. Here's what I mean. Some of you have started attending River Glen uh, recently. You've been attending and checking out our church. You've been exploring who Jesus is. But for whatever reason, you've held back from taking a step of faith and trusting and giving your life to him. It's like what we talked about last week. When Jesus was born, it changed all of history. We now track history as before Christ and after the birth of Christ. The whole world tracks history that way. And here we are today living in an A.D. world but you're still living with a BC heart. Jesus is here and has revealed himself as God's only son, but you're still living a BC kind of life. And so maybe someone with us today needs to hear this. The greatest gift you can give Jesus this Christmas is to give Jesus you. Give him your life. Surrender to him. Follow him. Be baptized. If that's you, we have pastors and volunteers at both our campuses and also online who would love to help you and talk with you and help you to take your next step. Give, give yourself to Jesus. And please, let us know. Let us know if you're making that decision. And for all of us, I want to challenge you to follow the example of the wise men and put Jesus at the center of your Christmas. Remember, Christmas is a great celebration, but it's not our birthday. It's Jesus' birthday. 
And I've given you three ideas of what you could give to celebrate whose birthday it really is. Let me give you a simple takeaway as we uh, wrap up today. This Christmas, let's practice giving a whole lot more than getting and make it the best Christmas yet. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for a church that is dedicated to hearing your word and applying it to your applying it to our lives as we think about Christmas and this, this whole idea of, of gift giving. Thank you for the opportunity to give gifts and, and reflect your generosity and for the amazing example of the wise men in the Christmas story. May we remember whose birthday it is as we celebrate this Christmas. And as we do that, may you transform our Christmas, transform our lives and our church. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.